Amen. Well, we're just going to continue in our uh, uh, series, The Armor of God, uh, The Armor of God. And uh, I don't know if this is the right one that you have for PowerPoint. It, the bottom should say something different, unless I didn't change it. We'll see what the first slide is. Ephesians 6.12. <clears throat> That's right. <clears throat> uh, we shall see here in a moment. Um, for we wrestle. Somebody shout wrestle. Uh, actually, uh, I subtitled this message, The Preparation Room. We're going to kind of end off where we, we did last week. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers, against rules of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. And we, we talked about that, that word in the Greek, as we get the, its root word, pala, palastra, which was house of combat sports. And we said that the palastra... Uh, was a uh, beautiful building. Uh, outwardly, it was like a palace, and it was dedicated to the training of the athletes in uh, this gym, you could say. And so last week, we talked about serious contenders, and we said that the palaster is a, a natural picture uh, of the local church, spiritually speaking. And that's what Paul is relating to Timothy in Ephesus, and he's saying, you know what? Uh, uh, this, is, this is where we're up against. It's like this picture here. And Timothy understood exactly what he was talking about as Paul addresses the church. And so we see in the palastra, there are all types of trainers. There's apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. How many of you know those ministries are not done away with? Amen. Okay. So I mean, like, oh, and some think, well, there's no apostles today or prophets, and, and there's just pastors and teachers and evangelists kind of fit in there. No, all of, all of the ministry gifts are there. Um, and so <clears throat> everything the athlete needed was in, in the palastra. It was in uh, what we would call the local church, uh, all the knowledge, the equipment, everything. And uh, that was a place of training, training of the athletes. And, uh, well, let me just say this, because I feel certain to say this. Um, <clears throat> help me, Lord. You know, we are discussing the equipping process of believers that is revealed in the Word of God. Can I get an amen? amen. Spoken by the apostle and uh, to the church of Ephesus. These messages are no, uh, they are not a rally cry for a Christian militia to arise. Let me just say that. Okay? Uh, these, these messages has to do with uh, equipping and training us all for God's ministry of service to reach people for Jesus. Amen. Remember that call? Uh, that's what we're here for. And to affect society positively. Amen? And, and bring the kingdom of God on earth through our lives. And really, this series, and really my heart as a pastor, is one of submission to God's will. Amen? Not insurrection, okay? Submission. And it really is, these messages specifically are to locate ourselves spiritually, and that can be a painful thing. Amen? So we'll see here if my next slide is actually right on to what I'm going to do. Otherwise, we're just going to... It is, actually. 1 Timothy 4, 7. Somebody shout exercise. That's not a curse word. That's a good word. <laughs> In the Greek, it's the word, actually, uh, it means to undress yourself. A little strange. Strip oneself. To strip down naked. And I said this uh, last week, is, uh, that change usually occurs when I first make a decision. Somebody shall make a decision. To allow the Holy Spirit to move. 
to allow the Holy Spirit to move in and through my life. That is huge right there. I said, that is huge. See, because how many know God is more powerful than our wills? He can do what he wants. But he has limited himself. He has chosen to limit himself to work in and through you and I. So if you get to a point in your spiritual walk, watch this, where you go, ah, no, not me. I'm not going any further than that. No, that's too much for me. Or I don't like that. You will sit there on the shelf until you allow the Holy Spirit to change that in your life. Can I get an amen? You know, the Bible talks about, here I am going off track here, that the sons of Issachar were ones in the Old Testament of the tribe that they understood what the Lord was doing at their time. More than ever, we need spiritual discernment in this season. Because people have well-meaning, but they're deceived. Amen. Let's let that sit in. And I don't know about you, but have you ever been deceived before? I have. I thought I was right. I was well-intended, but I was wrong. It's got awfully quiet here in this full gospel church. You know, Jesus was heading here. I'm going off track here. So Jesus was heading to uh, the cross. And how many know that the will of God at that time was Jesus not to become king, but was to be crucified? Right. Right? And so the people wanted him to be the king. But the will of God at that time, in that season, for that moment, for all of eternity, is Jesus, you got to be crucified. Right? And what does Peter do? Peter pulls out what? This ain't, this can't be the will of God. And he's leaning for the high priest's head, but the high priest was quick enough, but not too quick. He ducked. He, he, he weaved and bobbed, right? And he hit his ear, cut his ear off. Isn't that right? Isn't that in the Bible? And what does Jesus do? What's the first thing he says? Put your sword away. There's a lot of swords flying around in the body of Christ right now. And I feel the Spirit of God is saying, you need to put it away in this season. Because God has... A, it, so listen, here I go again, getting off track here. <clears throat> in the Old Testament, when G, there's a, I shared this before, when G, there's incidents of Christ showing up. Now, right in the Bible, it's called a theophany. It's a, it's a theological term. It means Jesus always was, he always will be. He just didn't show up 2,000 years in, in, ago in a baby manger. Because if he's the son of God, he always was, he always will be. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Trinity. Amen. Right? So he showed up. He wasn't sitting around doing anything. And he showed up to Joshua when they were ready to conquer. Isn't that right? And what does he do? He shows up. Joshua goes like, he pulls out a sword. And it says this. It says, this angel had a sword drawn. You know, Jesus does have a sword. When Jesus decides to use a sword, that's a serious thing. And you better beware. But what does Joshua do? This is, this is a prophetic word for today. You ready? Whose side you on? See, I, I knew this morning was going to be different. Whose side you on? And I love Jesus' response. Neither. But I am captain of the host of the army of the Lord. <sighs> Joshua put the sword away, get down, takes his shoes off, and humbles himself. What are you? What saith my Lord? That's the word for today. Jesus, what are you saying today to me? Okay? What are you saying today to me. So we're going back to the high priest and Peter, who's got a lot of zeal, and I can sure relate to Peter. Come on. Come on. Right? I just relate to Peter. A hothead, you know, says and do things. I mean, I say a lot of things I have to retract. And like, you know, and he's aiming for the year. Jesus said, put your sword away. Because Jesus was saying, in essence, listen, a sword in this moment is not required. A crucifixion is. Mm. 
See, and, and perhaps maybe the body of Christ, there's a crucifixion that the Lord is dealing with us. And hence, this series on the armor of God. Just got awfully quiet from after all that shouting and amen and hallelujah. We're going to run, you know, we're going to dance. And, and oh, pastor, throwing water on our fire. <clears throat> the preparation room. <laughs> the preparation room. <clears throat> so, first thing. <clears throat> Uh, when the athlete would come into the palaster, the first thing that would happen is the manager of the palaster would take him to a room that was called this, this, this uh, preparation room or un undressing room. And, and this is where the athlete, he kind of stripped down a loincloth or whatever. And, and so <clears throat> there was these huge baths that were in this palaestra and there was these marble slabs, of tables. And, and this is where the athlete would begin his training after he undressed, and there was a bathing, watch this, in a cleansing. Say that with me. Say a bathing in a cleansing. Say, so, so all this is preparation for the battle beforehand, beforehand. And so, so how does this apply to us today? I believe it's a spiritual picture. And Paul, in using this word, is relating, trying to get across Timothy. You know, how many know that our cleansing waters are the combined work of the, the blood of Jesus and the work of God? The cross of Calvary. Could you say amen? Ephesians 5, 26. It says, we are sanctified and cleansed by the washing of water through the word of God. The preaching and teaching of the word of God. Even now, this is why I take this so very seriously and with humility, that, that there is a washing. There is a cleansing, if you allow it, will come upon your life because you receive that spoken word in your heart. And that's what Paul's trying to get across. He's trying to get across that let us be submissive to God's heart and will through his word. How many see that say amen? How many know we serve a holy God? Amen. He's a holy God. And he, he, he demands it of the, uh, that of our lives, but we can't do that on our own. You can't. You cannot live this Christian walk without Christ. You cannot. You cannot. But you can, in Christ, if you choose to, when you're born again, walk according and obey. The Bible says in Acts 22, 16, and now why do you wait? Rise and be baptized and wash away your sins. So this first step that we see in this preparation room, there was a washing away, a made clean. And so, so by the time you get, as we shared last week about the docket with the, the, the scouts that went out and then the roster and then this preparation room, you need to be first born again if you're going to enter the battle, if you're going to enter the, the training to reign, if you're going to be an overcomer in this life in Christ. Amen? You know, how can you, I'm going to say this with a smile, my name's Mike, I'm your friend, how can you claim to be a Christian if you do not read God's word Amen. on a regular basis? <sighs> say love. You say, I have no, I have no desire <laughs> to God's word, pray, but I, I have zippo desire. I turn on Netflix. I could care less about it. Are you a Christian then? It's a question. Just throwing that out. You may believe that there's, he's out there, the big man upstairs, and you know, we have to do a little me and me. He's got the whole planet. And, but you see, a, a true believer in Christ, when they're born again, it says, John talks about that in, in John 3, 5. He talks about that when you're, you become a believer. The spirit, he puts his spirit within your spirit. And you know what happens? When his spirit is within you, you start to hunger. Come, come on. You, uh, you may be slow as a turtle, Okay? Remember the rabbit and hare? You know, you, 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 know you, you may be slow as a turtle, but you know what? You'll be moving forward. I, 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 I gotta, I, you know, you wander away from it and you go off track, whatever, but you, you will come back. 
because his spirit is truly within you and you will hunger and you will thirst for more of him. That's how you know you're a believer. It's like, uh-oh, he just located me. No, the spirit of God just did. We'll take care of that at the end of the service. Amen? <laughs> how many still love me? Say amen. How many love Jesus more? Amen. That's what matters. <laughs> so this preparation room is an important process. And so there was a number of applications of oil. Okay? So this is the first application. So this trainer would put this application. So after the athlete had bathed, he was ready for this application. Once again, there's other applications, but this first application uh, was very important. And so here's the thing. You couldn't receive that first application, watch this, unless you went through the process of bathing and cleansing. You don't even begin your training to reign and getting God's plan and purpose of your life if you're not a believer. And so we'll talk about at the end how you can get right with God. There's no short step to this. There's no short cups, excuse me, short cuts. And this step was a vital step, a vital step. And, uh, and we talked about being a serious contender last week. And so we, did the, we used the illustration that there was a daily docket. They would show up and they would read this docket at the gym. And it would say, here's who's fighting. Here's the contenders. Ah, I don't want it. It's too difficult. It's too, much. it's too much of a commitment of my life. I just want to live my life and have fun. But I want to make it at the end. I don't want to go to hell. <laughs> So, <clears throat> moving right along. So, 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 really, this is a challenge. And really, this is a, a word for us today on this first application. Are you willing to allow the Holy Spirit to strip yourself, turn from maybe wrong attitudes, come on, emotions, how maybe that spirit of pride wanting to be right? Amen. Uh, I get you to where the Holy Spirit is, is, has, has a purpose and a plan for your life. Are you willing to submit to this step? And here's the thing, and we're going to talk about this oil and this process here, but the oil, watch this, belongs to those who allow the Holy Spirit and their will to strip off all hindrances. And, and stand, yielded, submitted before God. That's what this is about. We are clothed in the armor of God by virtue of our relationship with him, and that has to do with submitting to God's will and plan for his life, for our life. Amen? And so, so it belongs to those. You want that. You want those anointings. You want that to be known that you have the voice of God and, and, and that God spoke to you, and great. That oil belongs to those who strip off pride. Mm, amen? You know, haughtiness, arrogance, wanting to be known that you're right, everyone else is wrong. <clears throat> and so, so the manager of the plaster would have this athlete lay on top of the table. And this is what we do, first on his stomach, then his back, and watch this. The trainer, I don't know, you don't have to raise your hand on this, but have you had a deep tissue massage? I've had it. It's painful. <laughs> if they do it right, they will dig into that muscle and they will break out that lactic acid and they will, and, and there are times, uh, <laughs> I've had it uh, just, you know, for, for my foot and plantar fasciitis. I did a lot of running for five years. I did triathlons, over 25 triathlons, and I just jacked my, my heel up. And so I had to go locally here, and, and uh, this guy took some kind of a bone-looking thing and went on my calf. I started crying. <laughs> he knew what he was doing. And I didn't tell him, stop, stop, don't do that anymore, Right? had to allow that process. You know what? I was able to, with custom orthotics, run again. <clears throat> and so, so that's, that's with this trainer. And, and sometimes it would take hours to do that job. 
And so his job was to rub, to press it harder and harder, that oil, and to make the skin supple, to make it uh, 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 relaxed. And, and so, so that was like the first application of oil. And then there was a, there was a second application. Lord Will, we'll talk about that next week. But, but first, there was a period of rest and relaxation before he could move on to the next chamber. How many of you know that, you know, God sets the times and the limits? The crazy stuff that happens in this world, you know, you need to know there is an end of all this COVID craziness. There's an end. <laughs> okay, there's an end to all of this. And you're thinking, will there ever be an end? And, the, you know, the prophets and all of them, gonna, you know, there's, there's all both sides, you know, uh, crazy, you know, blessing, utopia, hell, you know, it's, it's just, you can get crazy just listen to all of that. And, and, but you know what? God always has a time for rest for his people to move to the next level. Can you say amen? Thank God for that. Thank God for that. And this is a season in our life to learn obedience. Can we whisper that? Say, learn obedience. Holy Spirit, what are you saying? He said, what do you mean, Pastor Mike, by obedience? You know, Galatians chapter 5 is a good chapter in the Bible, <laughs> right? Galatians chapter 5 talks about the fruit of the Spirit. And as a full gospel church with charismatics, we like to focus on the oil. Amen. You know, there's certain denominations, they focus only on the fruit. We need them both. I say, we need them both. We don't need arrogant people full of pride, wanting to be right, prophesying without the fruit in their life. <laughs> and we need people with the fruit of spirit of life bold enough to step out and say, you know what? God has given me a word. I think I need to share this. Amen? Amen. Boy, I'm getting off track here today. <clears throat> so God allows us a time of rest. And, and once again, the plaster is a spiritual picture of a life of training for the believer. I believe that. So it's a, it's a beautiful, this application of oil, this pressing in. And so, and here's the thing. Pull this one up here and get this to work here. The first application of the Spirit's anointing. It will be applied in our lives if we are willing to strip ourselves. See, here's the thing about the sovereignty of God. God can and do whatever he wants. But once again, he has chosen to limit himself through the affairs of man. He has chosen to work through your life. Will you say, you know what? Yes, Lord. I know I should be getting it up praying, seeking, reading the word of God, growing myself spiritually, but I'm not going to make no time for that. I'm too busy. I'm too, I'm too this. I'm too this. See, I don't, I don't mean this as a heavy, but the truth of the matter is if we don't feed ourselves spiritually, and this is even for young people, kids, amen? Young people here, young people, you know, at 12 years old, I grew up in a very tense, difficult, uh, at times very unloving family. Now, I know my parents tried to do the best that they could that they felt that time and all their brokenness, but, but I just clung to the Lord. You know, there's a scripture in the Old Testament, when your father or mother abandon you, I will be a father or mother to you. And I just drew to that and clung to that. And so 12 years old, now listen to this, 12 years old, I would just, with a record player, some of you remember that, it's not a big CD, it's a record player. <laughs> and I would play uh, an old record, and I would listen to these songs at 11, 12 years old as a kid, going to my room with the diamond carpet, and uh, <clears throat> I would listen to some of these songs, the kids' songs, and at times I would just weep of God's presence, his healing, his touch in my life. Come on. And I just drew near to God. Strange. Odd. Kids like 12 years should be out playing, you know, doing, I did that too. I probably played for G.I. Joe's way too many, too, too long. <laughs> After I had a foxhole at 15 and I saw my friends, you know, I said, okay, it's time to get out of the hole, Mike. <laughs> oh, I'm just telling you the truth, keeping it real. Probably that was too much. All right, moving right along. Uh, trying to get Hebrews 5.8. Hebrews 5.8. Watch this. Jesus had to learn obedience. 
What? It's in the Bible. Well, was he? He never was without sin. That's right. He wasn't. Although Jesus was the son who had never been disobedient to the father, he learned active special obedience through what he suffered. Now, let me just stop right there. If Jesus had to learn obedience when he did nothing wrong, <clears throat> he learned it through, come on, just say that word with me, suffering. Yuck, I don't like that word. Oh, man, I wish I wasn't in the Bible because I'd hate to suffer. I'm not good at suffering. I think women have a bigger grace than men than suffering. Whatever reason. <laughs> you have to bear children. I could never do that. Um, he learned active obedience through what he suffered. Jesus learned obedience, not in the sense that he was prone to disobedience or he had to bring a rebellious in his soul under control, but in a sense, watch this, that he fully entered the human experience. A couple examples would be that he had to obey his parents. Isn't that right? He, so he learned obedience in that. As an adult, he obeyed the law, Matthew 5, 17. The Bible said he had to fulfill all righteousness in, in Matthew 3, 15. All his life, Jesus, Jesus excuse me, completely fulfilled the Father's will, John 8, 29, and Hebrews 10, 9, through his whole life. So yes, Jesus, of course, knew what obedience was prior to his incarnation before he came on earth, but he had to learn, watch his obedience on earth by experiencing it. He had to be put in that situation. So in every situation, no matter how difficult it was, the son, Jesus, was obedient to the father. And how many know that this is the end goal of the Holy Spirit's work in all of our lives, even you and I today? Amen? <clears throat> There's a scripture, Isaiah 50. Uh, Isaiah 50 says, The sovereign Lord has opened my ears. And it's a prophetic word about the Lord. He said this, I have not been rebellious, I have not turned away. I offered my back to those who beat me. He's talking about Jesus being flogged. So, so Jesus had to willingly, even with the cross, be obedient to that. And they beat him. Because that was what the father uh, declared that he would go through. And he willingly did that. So who is this manager of the palastra? I don't mean this is self-serving, because I send it, say this with tremendous humility. But the pastor, <laughs> the pastor of a local church, is, is the manager. All the fivefold ministry gifts that come in, they're involved, that are in our lives, they all have something that they can deposit in our soul. Can I get an amen? <clears throat> Remember Ephesians 4.12. Now watch this. We're going to end on this here. Ephesians 4.12. Uh, that the fivefold ministry gifts are there to what? Somebody shout equip. Other, other uh, 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 translations say that for the training or to perfect in, 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 in certain translations. But pastors are called, or teachers there in the church, to equip the church, the people, for the work of the ministry. Uh, and once again, some translate this as the, the perfecting of the saints. And so I recognize as, as a clay feet, a man, I am woefully inadequate for the job. And every day I wake up, I know I can't do this. I, I, I'm not smart enough. I'm not gifted enough. Come on. I'm not talented enough. I can't do this without God, without Jesus. Amen? <clears throat> but he's the one that calls. He's the one that equips. He's the one that anoints. Okay? So to equip, let me just dig deep in the Greek here very quickly, and we're going to pray. In the Greek, it actually means a preparing, a bringing a condition of fitness, a perfecting. The English word equip means to furnish for service or action by appropriate provisioning. 
Fitting, preparing them fully, it means. So that thus equipped or fitted out, they might serve the purpose for which they were made. That's why I feel I am woefully inadequate in that. It is actually the Greek word, if you look it up, kartazio. And it, excuse me, it conveys the sense here, this is interesting, of not adding something that is lacking. Because there's a mindset in the law of Yante, you know, upper Midwest, and, you know, there's these certain laws. They're un, unspoken of cultural things. Well, don't even, you know, don't think that you could teach us anything. You know, don't, you know, don't, don't get too far on that. Well, actually, it means this. It conveys the sense here of not adding something that is lacking, but of putting things, watch this, in order of adjusting. Things that are out of adjustment. So God has already graced and gifted each and every one of you with graces and callings and anointing, but a lot of times they're out of order. <laughs> they're out of sync. They're, they're, they're misaligned, and they need to be aligned. And, and so God, in his, his beautiful plan, puts a frail, clay-thought pastor in our lives and teacher to help us line up. That's why I can say some things here through the power of the Spirit and think, well, that seemed like it didn't do anything. And I'm amazed they hear back later. I said, yeah, you know, Pastor, someone sent me a text, whatever, that word you spoke so changed my life. I'm like, you got to be kidding. What? I didn't, that was a side note. <laughs> that word, see, because God knows what he's doing right now. <laughs> he knows what you need. And some stuff you think, oh, he's just kind of a bobblehead up there and boom. <laughs> oh, shoot, get out of here. <laughs> That's the Spirit of God. Amen. He knows what's going on in your life. I'll point this way, too. <laughs> Amen. Amen? Shouldn't point, sorry. Carzazo, so it conveys that. Watch this. This is beautiful <clears throat> about this equipping. Equipping refers to that which has been restored to its original condition, being made fit, being made complete, actually, what it means. The root word, now watch this. The root word is actually a medical term that they use it in medical terms, it actually means setting of bones. How many have ever broken a bone? A few people. Um, my son, uh, at 16 months old, rambunctious when he was in his crib, decided to get out of the crib. This prison, he wasn't going to take anymore. These bars, he had enough. He tried his head to get through. He's breaking out. So one time I was at church or whatever, and then Rhonda told me, he's like, uh, Zach climbed out of his crib, climbed right over the top, and boom, fell on his arm. And he's really coddling this arm, but he's playing. Do anything. I said, uh, we need to get that checked out. So I went home, brought him. As soon as I saw it, I said, we'll take him to the hospital. Take him to the hospital. Got a man, blah, blah, blah. The doctor looked at it. He says, yeah. Took a little x-ray. And he's just talking. He's fine, but he's not, he's not moving this arm. And the um, doctor said, well, he needs a cast. I went, what? <laughs> My son, he is 16 months old. <laughs> he needs a cast, but we need to set the bone. I went, Okay. How's that going to go? He goes, just look, keep looking at him, keep talking. And so the doctor just gently just went, and he went, ah! How I many of you setting of bones can be painful? <laughs> if you've got something out of joint, come on. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. And he cried, whatever, daddy, it hurts. He needed that. I said, is he permanently ruined? He goes, oh, no, that bone's going to heal up stronger. His wrist stronger will be on this side than that side. The bone will feel so. So he has a cast on. We rode on it. He's crying with tears. Zach. That was a fun thing. It was a sword now, a shield, <laughs> right? We saved that cast for a while. It was kind of like a, an alien armament, you know, we got from out of space. Or finally, it was rotted. We threw it away. My point is this, is that it was hurtful. It was painful. I didn't want that. I love my son. If I could have took that pain for him, I would have. Someone did for us. Amen? 
His name is Jesus. But you know what? He still works in and through what the enemy means for evil for our good. Uh, so that's, that, that's the setting of a bone, the setting of a bone. It's actually in Matthew 4, 21. And uh, the Bible says that, uh, and, going, and going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, his father, mending their nets. And he called them. That word mending is the same word to equip, to fix. And so that's the role. That's the role. So the primary role of the, the, these support gifts, pastor, prophet, teacher, evangelist, is to help equip the church, mending the saints, putting things together, fitting them or prepping them. So here's the thing, and this is the rub for, for it as I conclude here, if I can get this thing to work. All right. <clears throat> we must allow the spiritual trainers to press that application in our life. We need to be submissive to that into our lives till we are saturated with the word of God. We need to permit God's ministry gifts to give us a thorough workout. Amen? A thorough workout. And, and here's the thing. It's, when you think about it, when I, I remember in Bible school saying, Lord, send me to the nations. I'll say and do what you want. And basically God's looking at you. You have no idea what you're in store for because I've called you to cause pain in people's lives. Who wants that job description? Well, looking for, give me the easiest job where I can sit with a laptop on the beach and not really have to deal with painful situations. I'm not doing my job if all I do is make you feel good. And I'm for feel-good messages because I need them too. <laughs> all right, come on. But the role, the, the, the real role of the, all the ministry gifts, especially a pastor, the manager of the plaster is to press that oil. To press that oil, to press the truth of God's word in our life that, you know what? We go home and we make changes and we make changes right away. Can you say amen? Stand with me if you would, please. There's another application. There's another application of oil. And that's the one that we all seek. But we don't get to that point unless we allow, unless we allow the word of God in our life. And so this is where we have to start. This is where our will comes into play. Your will comes into play. Not just leaving here and just go, well, that was nice, good, you know. How many of you know right now, I don't ask you to raise your hand, but you all have something that God has putting his finger on in your life. Right? Maybe you shouldn't have responded that way. Maybe I shouldn't have bitten down so hard onto this thing right here. God wants me to release that. You know what? He's been dealing with me. I, need to, I just need to make things right in a fragmented relationship because... I'm really wrong in it, and I'm just being prideful. Amen. Amen. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is, but the Spirit of God is speaking to us all. Um, this process of spiritual growth at times is, is very painful. I wish I could just read the Word of God and change. <laughs> but it's painful. And here's the thing. Other people in their decisions produce pain in our life, but only Jesus can turn that around. Only Jesus can turn that around. Amen? Um, let me just give you a couple examples and we'll pray. I remember uh, back in 1990, I uh, went and helped my dad with his business and without getting into all of that, we turned things around, but things really fragmented with the family. It was very, very agonizing, very painful, especially in an Italian family when everyone comes together and there was eight of us and we'd all have meals together and it, it just was very, very painful, very strained. And I was recently married, and, um, and we were at a position that the place we were in, we were asked to leave, my dad had, and it was just like, 
no place to stay in one day or to move out. And so I was plugged into a church there. It was a four-square church in Rockland. I knew Pastor Bob and Janine Prudler. And I say their names because I'll never forget them as a couple. They were very kind to us. Well, they had a parsonage that the church owned, but they had a basement room. We lived in that for eight months. Like, it was not this Taj Mahal. It was a basement with a bed. And there were many nights we would just be at night just holding each other's hands, weeping, crying, just like, what is our life? Where are we at? This is so hopeless. Come on. Amen. This is so hopeless. This is never going to change. Will there ever be better days? I, I see this person's life that we are destroyed. But see, we hung on to Jesus. I said we hung on to Christ. We hung on to the Lord. When nothing in our favor, nothing was working out for eight months. There's times my wife just, I had to pray for her. This anxiety come upon us both like, what are we doing? God began to unfold, open the door, move back to, to Texas. And then things begin to change. And then 1993, I get a phone call from a pastor, Steve Cornemo. Will you come out? We'd be our youth director. Like, I don't know anything about youth. It's like, well, I don't understand the whole thing. But at that time, August 1st, 1993, it was a Monday, I made a decision. Yes, I'm going to allow the trainer of the palastra there to train me. And I'm going to allow him to press that oil in my life. I made a ton of mistakes there. I still make mistakes, but I hope I don't make as much. <laughs> but I allowed that trainer to press in my life and my wife for those 10 years that we were there and allowing him to press the word of God. And times where I thought, well, I felt this, you know, I was wrong and humbled myself. So, you know, I'm sorry. I screwed up, pastor. I made a mistake. I was prideful in this. I thought this. I thought that. Blah, 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 blah. I'm sorry. I felt like I was repenting a lot. Amen. A lot of repentance. Still do. Still do. I'm allowed to press that. That was almost 31 years ago. You know what? I'm a better person today, I believe it, for allowing the grace and the gifts of God of others to press God's word in my life, in the truth. Various men and women that God did has brought through my life, or it's even some prophets that spoken in my life. And uh, I didn't like it at times. I remember we just had our son. I don't know why I'm sharing this, but I just had our son, Zach, and I'm like, well, I'm waiting for three years, you know, you know how you plan your life, you know, you know, we don't want kids too close together, we got to space them out, because my mom had eight of us in, in, eight, in nine years, so, you know, in doubles, twins in one shot, you know, one of them, and I'm like, I'm going to spread stuff out, and a guy came in, it was a prophet, and he was, I did not like this guy, he agitated me. So here I am with my infant little baby, Zach. And he's like, the Lord says that, you know, your wife's going to conceive. And, and Angie, Angie was there. And some of you said, so you can conceive and have, and have a, a, a child. And the child's name will be significant of what we were just building the Destiny Center. But we didn't have a name for the center. And he said that about it. I'm like, you're nuts. That ain't happened. Within 30 days, he said it. 30 days. Uh-oh, wife's pregnant. <laughs> And destiny was born. How many of you met destiny? Sometimes she's a powerhouse, amen? And, 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 and it's like, in the name of the center is the destiny center. Now they've changed the church name to the destiny church. I'm like, how could anything plan like that in the natural? You cannot. 
See, and, and I just share that with you just to show that God knows where we're at. And he can, when he wants to declare and do things in, in our lives beyond our will, but he wants us to submit to his will. Can you say amen? Um, there was a time too when, I'll end with this. I keep saying, oh, it's only 11.44, almost done. There was a time of some good-hearted Christians uh, they wanted a church to start here when we first started out there. And they knew us, good people, wonderful, solid people, love the Lord in this community that we knew. They were, we were dear friends with them. There was about 30 of them, 30 of them. They all came out and they had a meeting. And in this meeting, they said they wanted to meet. And I was with Pastor Steve and immediately, God just kind of peeled away and showed me exactly the response. The Lord said, I want you to say this, this, and this, and this is what they're going to talk about. I just knew. I walked into the meeting just new and I just sat there quietly. And basically they said, we want you to start a church, a sister church from there, here in Alec. All these 30 people said, we're here, we're ready, we're ready to give. Affluent people, good people, love the Lord, solid people. And Pastor Steve said, no, not at this time. I don't feel right. Well, and then they did this. They all turned, they looked to me and they said, what do you think, Mike? And I said, I support the manager of the Palastra. I support him. And you know what? If the will of the Lord is that a church would start now, like down the road, that is his timing, not mine. But I submit to him. Ended the conversation. No strife, no split, no division, none of that. It ended just like that. But there was a time when it came where God said, yes. Amen. We've got to do things in God's timing. Every head bowed, please. God's timing. We need to allow the oil of the Spirit pressed in our life. I don't know what that is. Whatever sword you may need to lay down today, I don't know what that is. Maybe it's not a sword. Maybe it's an attitude. Maybe it's something. Whatever it is, God is saying, my will, not your will, be done. The will of the Lord be done in our life. When we do that, whatever that is, whatever that is, God will move on our behalf. But we have to first make the decision to allow God to be teachable. It's easier said than done. It's easier said than done. The ministry gifts to grow us, to train us for the spiritual battle that will be ensued upon. Say, Pastor, uh, I go back to what you shared with every head bowed here this morning. I go back to what you shared earlier about I have no spiritual desire inside me. I mean, I don't hate God. I mean, I believe in God, but I just have no, there is no hunger inside of me for anything about, I mean, I'm here at church, but uh, I just don't have it. And you really do not have that assurance. God forbid, if you die today, you'd go to heaven. You hope you do. Hope is good. The Bible says these things are written that you may know you have eternal life. God wants you to know. So how do you know? You surrender your life to Christ. You do that. You turn your will over to him. You profess, confess. The Bible says if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, we are born again. So there's a confession, acknowledgement. I need God in my life. That's you. Pray with me this morning. You're not joining this church, but you will be joining the family of God. Let's pray together. Say this with me. Say, Jesus. I believe you died on the cross for my sin. Jesus, I give you my life. Take it. Jesus, thank you for saving me. Thank you for filling me with your Holy Spirit. Teach me, Lord, 
I will obey in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. If you pray the prayer, you meant it. God meant it. We have some information. We want to help you. We want to grow you. That's what Harvest is about. Our heart is to impact this community, to bless families, to preach the kingdom of God, to further God's purpose, bring heaven on earth. Amen. That'd be a good thing. <clears throat> That's what the Bible says, that we are to, to call those things that be not as though they were and see that in and through our life.